Hey there, this is Casey, the Kentucky Trauma Therapist. I am very happy to announce today that I have a guest for this episode. Would you care to introduce yourself? Yeah, what's up everybody? I'm Alexis Morgan. I um, am local here and I work with harm reduction in the community. And we're really excited to have her here. Um, when we think about Kentucky, I think about Kentucky, I I like to think of like the sins of Kentucky. Like I always want to get a sin tax tattoo of Kentucky that has like, <laughs> um, you know, like a, a like an old school like bourbon uh, or you know like a whiskey bourbon whiskey bottle and uh, a tobacco rose and like maybe some horseshoes. Yeah, with some X's on the alcohol bottle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always thought that'd be pretty cool. But um, I think of another one of the epidemics issues that we have here in Kentucky, um, besides our overuse of tobacco products and our gambling issues and and all of that, um, we also have this opiate epidemic. It is. um, It's pretty big. Um, I feel like most people have heard about it at this point, and it's just affecting so many people, really nationally, in the whole in the whole United States, but especially here, locally. Yeah, I I think of some of the most unique things about Kentucky includes we have a history of poverty, we have a history of being a state that doesn't necessarily always have the most resources. And because of that, there's a lot of really sad effects that can happen, including long-term substance misuse. So can you kind of walk me through what does the opiate epidemic look like for Kentucky? Like when when did people start officially calling it an epidemic? Mm. Well, like back in the 80s, we had like the crack epidemic. And now i mean i feel like you go through different cycles of drugs and now you mentioned a huge issue in kentucky is poverty and how that often leads to or can to substance use and i think of aces and Mm. how that is just everything and how it all goes hand in hand and especially whenever you grow up around it or with it or you see it Um, it has a totally different effect on you. Um, so in Kentucky, we have, um, it's one of the states that has the most, um, prescriptions of opiates in the United States. Um, and can I pause you real quick? Can we talk about what ACEs is? Okay. Yeah. So when you were working on your master's, Mm -hmm. you really dove into ACEs. I, and I feel like ACEs is such a complicated conversation that I always am really intimidated to start it because I'm like, I will not successfully explain all of the parts of it, but you want to do it justice. So please, please. And go for it. Um, so ACEs is adverse childhood experiences. So we were talking about the poverty issues that we have in Kentucky. I think that Kentucky also has one of the highest rates of childhood abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, going along with addiction, when you grow up with it, you're more likely to have issues yourself. So, I mean, all of these things that you are going through as a child have some kind of effect on you. Right. And you saying that, I, I used to do some work for Hope Harbor when I was a baby in the mental health community, <laughs> which for those of you who aren't maybe around the Warren County, Bowling Green, Kentucky area, 
Um, Hope Harbor is a local sexual assault crisis center. And I want to say, so this was back in 2010. They were telling us the statistic was for Kentucky girls by the age of 18, one out of three girls in Kentucky will be sexually assaulted. Oh. And for boys, I want to say it was one out of six. And I don't know if those stats have changed. I mean, that was, those are heavy. Yeah. And that was 13 years ago. And I mean, it's, so I don't know. I mean, of course. I, I don't know, but either way, that's a whenever, huge issue. Yeah, yeah. Whenever that statistic came out, those people are still walking around here in Kentucky. So, um, we I've got pulled up here this website. This is um, so if anybody wants to follow along, this is the Childhood Domestic Violence Association, and they describe like uh, ten adverse childhood experiences are, or the ten adverse childhood experiences are: physical abuse, emotional abuse. Sexual abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, alcohol or drug abused by a parent, uh, mentally ill parent, divorce, incarceration of a parent, or childhood domestic violence. And they go on to list a couple of statistics here. Um, Looking at the areas of adulthood ACEs and what it can impact, and they're talking about, well, you know, if you had a high ACE score, and by ACE score, usually a, a clinician or a, a provider of some sort, practitioner, would administer an ACEs um, kind of like survey that has questions about those 10 things we just mentioned. And what they found is the more ACEs you have, so if you have 3 out of 10 of those, or 6 out of 10 of those, the more you have of those, the more likely you are to have lack of physical activity, more likely to smoke cigarettes or use tobacco products, alcoholism, drug use, missed work, uh, severe obesity, diabetes, depression, suicide attempts, STDs, uh, heart disease, cancer, stroke, COPD, or broken bones. Like, Jesus. I, I think this goes all the way back to the body keeps the score. Yeah. Um, yeah. They say here, most people... Um, i.e. Uh, 64% of people have at least one ACE. 12% of the population has an ACE score of four. Having an ACE score of four nearly doubles the risk of heart disease and cancer. ACEs increases the likelihood of becoming an alcoholic by 700% and the risk of attempted suicide by 1,200%. Wow. That's heavy. Fuck. All right. <laughs> That's really heavy. So you were saying like this was the big focus of your master's degree. Yeah. So tell me how ACEs, we, we, I kind of diverted you there for a second, but you were like, poverty is pretty extreme in Kentucky. Kentucky has not always had a lot of resources. Yes. Which. And that really goes hand in hand with, we don't have a lot of resources to get people that really shouldn't be in prison and jail out and get the mental health help that they maybe need instead of being in the system. It's really hard to get in out of the system when you're in it. Sure. Um, but when you experience all these things as a kid, like you, you don't know what's normal. No, no, I, I, <laughs> not at all. So <laughs> I, I laughed. No. <laughs> no, well, I laughed because I remember being a kid, and so I didn't, I didn't have indoor plumbing. Until I was like seven or eight. And I remember thinking um, the only place that had an indoor toilet, you know, like like stores would. Mm -hmm. But houses in my head didn't. Um, And when people would talk about going out to eat at Ryan's, 
you know, the food buffet that uh-huh. used to be here in town. Yep. I thought everyone was just really good friends with this dude named Ryan. <laughs> Who had all this food. Because people would be like, yeah, I'm going to go to Ryan's. I'm going to eat so much food. And I'd be like, why the hell ain't my family friends with Ryan? Who's Ryan? Um, when can we become friends with Ryan? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> we get kind of, there's definitely a culture. And that's one of the things I love about Kentucky is, um, our culture is a little different, uh, especially our more rural parts. But um, so ACEs, I, I keep getting you off track. ACEs, you know, how does that relate back to this opiate epidemic? Okay. So, well, I mean, we're saying like Kentucky poverty, rural areas. So in more rural areas, they don't have the access that they need to go to the doctors and go to hospitals and all these things. But Kentucky also has a huge um, prescription rate. And then whenever Casper came out, the Kentucky alcohol, I don't know, it's not alcohol. It's, um, I don't know what it stands for exactly, but where they log any kind of narcotics or Mm -hmm. uh, they keep track of it. And I feel like during... When Casper started, doctors started getting really scared to prescribe. And so they're, like, taking a lot of people that have been on opiates for a long time that have, that are going to pain clinics and things. Um, they're taking them off of them without weaning them off the right way, which leads to injecting and using other things and whatever. But... I just went way off track. <laughs> no, no. We have, um, and by the way, we got this pulled up. Casper is, I couldn't remember what it's supposed to be. schedule, prescription, electronic. electronic reporting. So we went from the crack, you know, crack cocaine was a huge issue in Kentucky. And I think even other than rural places, also like Louisville, Lexington, mm-hmm. that was a huge issue. And then how did we get from crack to opiates? Mm. Um, good question. I mean, one, we have a lot of veterans that need more than just pain. They need mental health, but I feel like now it's more understood when you need mental health meds versus pain meds. I don't know. I feel like there's just a lot of misunderstanding of when you should use it, how much you should use and how much you should prescribe and for how long. I mean, even, you know, when Oxycontin came out, that was a, a huge, um, maybe not upset is the right word, but like, it's just like a drug that has never been here before. And they are saying that it's not addictive and they're prescribing it, handing it out left and right whenever it's really, like, one of the most addictive, you know, drugs. And now we know that. We're feeling the effects of it. But... I think there is some evidence, and please correct me if I'm wrong, there is some evidence that the, these drug manufacturers had about how addictive it was, but it didn't get pulled. Yeah. And I think that that's the biggest thing now is they're... They're like, hey, this is really more addictive, and they're finding out, oh, you knew this? So they're having all these payout. They're, like, in a huge lawsuit, and they're paying states settlements for addiction. 
And Kentucky is one of those places that have gotten a lot of money from the the OxyContin settlement. Holy, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Wow. So these pain clinics, because I I don't I how long have pain clinics been around? Like, what is that? What's okay. the I don't know how long they've been around, but really my understanding is you go, you say you're in pain, whether you have another doctor that gives you medical records of such, or I I don't know. From my understanding, I feel like there's not a lot of digging as to why they're in pain. That relates really to a personal experience, I think, from like, not really digging why somebody was in pain and they actually had cancer. Whoa. Okay. So it's, you know, it's overlooked maybe why people are going to like pain clinics are way less strict about what they historically, not all of them, but way less strict about who they write for. Like that's all they do is write pain medicine prescriptions but, like, I wouldn't go up in there and be like, hey, I'm in pain. Right. And I really don't have pain. But, I I mean, there's been tons of stories where you can just kind of pay your way through it. Well, you know, I, I'm thinking specifically, I think I'm pulling in my head, like, uh, images from the TV show Nurse Jackie. Oh, like, yeah. Well, man. I'm thinking about the pharmacist. Um, the it's a Netflix series and it was a pharmacist and his son died of an overdose Mm. and they, it was in Louisiana and it was when Oxycontin came out and there was a pediatrician who was, it was like a pill mill and she was writing all these prescriptions for people that wanted pain medicine. And then here we are, we have, once we get caught and get busted, here we are, we have all these people that are addicted to these serious opiates. Oh, my God. And we don't know how to get them now. So then we're buying them off the street, and then we're using other things, and there's a whole other. And this all ties back to ACES score. Yeah. You know, because, like we were just mentioning, it's very interesting. Childhood trauma or childhood adverse life events can end up leading to... Having physical pain in the body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether that's, uh, you know, trauma leading to depression and you yes. don't feel like moving or you suffer from binge eating or maybe... Severe anxiety. And that stuff affects your nervous system yeah. and your vagal nerve and that shit goes all throughout your body and you feel the literal effects of trauma. And, you know, I, I read a study, gosh, I hate to say studies on this podcast without having the statistics right in front of me to be able to say who they came from. But a lot of folks with fibromyalgia also have PTSD. And I think oh, that's fascinating. Interesting. Because um, it's almost like the body keeps the score. Mm. But I'll quit <laughs> right now. So, so no, but really. We had, you know, maybe some of these doctors had good intentions. Yeah. And maybe some of these doctors had pill mills. Yeah. But I, I think it ruined it for everybody, probably. The bad ones. I think, And then yeah. we have all these prescriptions out here that really shouldn't be out here. And then everybody gets cut, cut off. And then we have a whole epidemic. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think of... I remember being in a training 
God, when was that? I was working for Barron County DCBS. Um, that would have been 2013. Uh, KSP, Kentucky State Police, came in and did a training with us. And they were like, listen, y'all need to watch out. Heroin's about to come through. And I remember thinking to myself, heroin? Heroin? <laughs> like, yeah. That's like an 80s drug, isn't it? Like black tar yeah. heroin. Like, yeah. I was like, nobody does that. And I remember them saying, like, in Louisville, like, you just wait. You just wait. And, and. I had a trip I had to go on to Louisville in maybe 2015. And I remember there were um, locks on the bathroom of like Panera bread, oh. right? Because they, they were like, you know, we have to make sure that you look like you're clean enough and that you're a customer here to use the bathroom. Oh. And there's all these signs that say, do not dispose of your needles in the trash can. Wow. Yeah. And that was, you know, I mean, that wasn't, that was eight years ago, but it's not super normal for here. No, no. And I think we've just continued to see that. um, It's weird. Yeah. It's, I I don't have a better word in the vernacular other than it's just kind of weird to see how it's trickled. And he told us, he was like, it was going to trickle down through Louisville. And then it's going to segue between Lexington and to the Western part of the state. Yep. Um, cause I always knew about meth growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, meth is, has always been the biggest thing here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even working in syringe exchange, sure. that's what we have historically seen more using in the past few years. Now we don't see that. We see meth mixed with other opiates, fentanyl, heroin, which heroin is really just a mixture of a bunch of opiates. So, I mean, in Kentucky, it has been historically meth, but now we have this whole other yeah huge thing. And like you said, it's like it's coming from, you know, like Louisville and Lexington and uh, where the big highways are, the interstates. Yeah, yeah. I-65 yeah. and I-75. So... We have, I, I think, too, um, when it comes to methamphetamine, coming down off of methamphetamine is a bitch. And it's totally different than an <laughs> opiate. Yeah. Come down. Like, you're going to have, like, it's not like a heroin or a pills. Yeah. It's where you feel like you're dying and you feel like you're, you oh, can't do anything but puke. Meth is like a mental withdrawal right and you really don't feel the effects until later not now because the meth isn't pure meth but well you you can't die from meth withdrawals correct old meth old meth yeah new meth is opiates also so people that what yeah man we so we do we have fentanyl test strips and people that want just meth they will test it and if like some people they'll just use less of it or some just don't use it at all because people that are you know when we see people that need narcan you don't you don't use narcan for meth you can't use it it doesn't work so people are like oh i'm using meth i don't need that but now meth is a totally different drug and you need narcan because it's mixed with a bunch of opiates. And people are now addicted to the meth and the opiates. And they combat each other. 
One's an upper, one's a downer. Right. I, I'm just trying to kind of imagine what that high even looks like. Yeah. And, and I was... So, I, I used to work at a um, it, hospital, inpatient hospitalization that was detox. And it was a uh, rehab to a degree. It was a hospitalized type of rehab. Uh, not like Journey Pure or anything like that. A detox. Safe yeah. detox. Safe place, detox yeah. place. And it's somewhere you can you could be hospitalized for two to four weeks to, to get sober or clean. And um, seeing someone come off of meth, you know, the hallucinations, the delusions, the, the not making sense. But seeing someone come off of opiates. Yeah. Like, I mean, my heart would, like, I, like I've like i got a specific person in my mind and watching them come off of it. Like, I just wanted to go in there and hold them and just kind of think, like. You know, this is somebody's kid, and yeah. they look like they're dying. Yeah. And they feel like they're dying, too. It's, like, so intense. And it's so different than that. But now, it's not the same. Like, now we have to make sure that everybody has Narcan, because you don't know if you're not testing it. Yeah. And if you don't test it every single time, you know, it's like not wearing a condom every single time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if you're not testing every single time, then you risk that chance of potentially overdosing if you don't want it. So we now have a huge rate of people who are hooked on opiates um, here in Kentucky. Yes. I, I think of um, when I was doing some work with UK, University of Kentucky, they had a program where there's so many grandparents now raising grandchildren. Yes. Because of the opiate epidemic. Like they were... Like trying, which it's really cool because just side note in Kentucky, we used to have something called fictive kin or, 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 um, not fictive kin, um, kin care, which is where if your family member had their kids removed from them by the state due to child abuse or neglect or abandonment or whatever, a, a kin member, like a, a family member could come in and take care of the kid and the state would pay them a little bit of money to do so. They took it away for a while. Opiate epidemic got worse. We had so many kids in foster care that we did not have places for them. There was right. DCBS, Child Protective Services workers, having to stay at the office overnight to stay with this kid who's sleeping on a cot in an office because there wasn't a foster home. So they've opened back up kin care. Oh, that's good. And, like, even fictive kin care. Yeah. So, it, which, that's that's how we have our kiddo is through fictive kin care. And, um, which is great, but it's... It's that was kind of launched out of the opiate epidemic. So yeah. we we see all these folks that are hooked now, and it's I guess my question is like opiates. What do they look like in Kentucky? You you already started talking about well, it's getting mixed in with meth. Mm-hmm. Um, what other opiates are? I mean, heroin. We know heroin. So your your basic opiates are going to be like hydrocodone, um, Percocet, um, Loratabs. Uh, we talked about Oxycontin, Oxycodone, um, any of those, um, Dilaudid, um, Morphine, um, no, fentanyl. fentanyl, and it is typically only used with people like in cancer patients and like hospice kind of situations. Um, so it's not something that they typically prescribe to people. Um, and then even those that they do have those, like they're typically patches where they are just released a little bit at a time and it's like, yeah, in your skin. 
So, to hopefully reduce, I'm assuming, the chances of abusing kids. Yes, yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, opiates is is a huge issue here. And, and whenever we're talking about opiates, we also have to look at the way that people are using opiates. So, are people taking them as prescribed as what their doctor says, are they buying them off the street from somebody that they know, somebody that they don't know? Um, do they even know what they're getting? Now we're seeing a lot of press pills. Can you educate uh, me and listeners on what is a press pill? So, um, a press pill, you can buy, I mean, not in normal places, but you can get them. Um, a pill press. So it's what they actually are using to, you know, um, create medicines. But whenever people do this at home, they can put whatever they want in it, a.k.a. fentanyl. So we're seeing a lot of fake counterfeit pills that are pressed at home. We're also seeing, we're seeing a lot of, like, Roxy 30s and Xanax. Roxy's. Yep. I don't think I've heard of <laughs> Roxy. Yep. Yeah, like that. Yep. I, I had some folks that were originally from New York who would talk about being, having, like, but I'm, I haven't even heard of Roxy around here. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So we see that a lot, um, press bills right so now. where are people getting this fentanyl? If you're telling me that people are... I'm not trying to make it sound like you're on trial. Like, where is this? I know I'm But if you're telling me, like, it's a majority, like, I'm thinking hospice care. I'm thinking people who have, like, uncurable cancer, stuff yeah. like that. Where is this abundance of fentanyl coming from that they're able to press into these pills? Um, that's a good question. Um, I'm assuming it's probably coming from over borders, overseas, um, you know, there's been a, a very large history of importing drugs, um, illegal substances. Um, that's probably where it's coming from. And people are going across state lines and kind of like they used to and blow and <laughs> drop yeah. it from planes and do what they had to to make the money. Yeah. And that's yeah. really what it is. It's a moneymaker. You put just a little bit of it in there. And you don't, I mean, you get, you can put like baking soda or whatever filler you want in it and you just put a tiny bit. That'll kill somebody. So you're not having to even use much of it. It's like tiny granules that can kill somebody. Yeah. I want to say I was in a training and they were like trying to explain like this much heroin would give you this high and then it would be like one one thousandth mm-hmm. of that much um, for fentanyl yeah. can give you the same high as this larger amount of heroin can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people don't overdose and die on meth. Right. Which has been, and people, and also, like, we've failed to mention THC <laughs> cannabis. But, you know, can't, there's always in this long-term joke in Kentucky that our number one cash crop on paper is tobacco. Right. The other one that's not on paper is... Is him. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. people are growing it in the middle of their yeah. their cornfields and stuff like that or in, back in the... Um, and now that 
uh, CBD is a thing and coming legal and they are going to, they just passed that medical marijuana is coming to Kentucky yep. and so that's going to be, you know, maybe some switch from tobacco to, I mean, that's a huge cash crop and yeah. we have the land to grow it. Yeah. And, and people. The knowledge to grow it. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> It's like, woo, I can finally tell the government I'm growing this. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, you know, you can't overdose on THC. No. Um, you can't overdose on meth. Nope. But there's some real life-changing effects uh, for families if someone in the family overdoses on opiates, which yes. is a thing, and that's yes. especially fentanyl, which is really dangerous. Um, it is, and the scary thing is, is if you don't have a way to test it, you don't know. You you've mentioned that earlier. Can you um explain how do you how do you test your what does that look like? So um, at the health department, we have fentanyl test strips. Um, it's similar to a urine test, um, and you just like mix. Uh, like if you, a lot of people are like, well, why would I waste my drugs? And you don't have to do that. Dump your bag out, put some water in it, test the bag. It'll test no whether shit. it's positive or negative. Yeah. So you don't even have to like, you just have to have the like a tiny, tiny amount of the powder or whatever it is and mix it with water. Wow. Yep. And, and y'all offer that? Yes. Wow. Um... Kind of going off of that um, and what we were talking about, like the KSP officer saying that can that that heroin was coming to Kentucky. Yeah, we're we're seeing an issue that's coming to Kentucky now in twenty twenty three. Um, it's called xylazine, and it is a veterinary tranquilizer, and people are mixing it with meth, and. They are calling it trank or yeah. zombie drug. I mean, it's, it's, and the scary thing about it, I mean, it makes you like so high that you're like, you're standing up, but you're leaning over because you look like a zombie. And the thing with xylazine is that it's a sedative. So Narcan's not going to work for it. And oh fuck! So we don't have a reversal for it. And then when you're injecting xylazine, it's literally like rotting your skin from the inside out, like where it's turning like black and flesh eating and stuff. So there's another epidemic that's making its way down. And from what we have been told, there has been overdose deaths with xylazine in it here in Warren County. So, so it's, it's already here. here. Yeah. It's just not everywhere yet. But it's here. Oh, my gosh. So hopefully soon they did approve xylazine test strips. We don't have them yet. Um, it's kind of going through, like, FDA approval and everything right now. But, um, yeah. Oh, my God. So we're seeing it. I mean, it's crazy. We saw, like, people were just doing pills and just doing meth. Or, and then, like, a year later, we see more heroin. And what we see, kind of leading into talking about needle exchange or syringe exchange, 
we were seeing, I would say, like, over 30, 35 would be meth users. Anything under that would be pills, typically. Um, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't think that. But now, when people are testing their drugs, yeah. they're testing, uh, and I, I typically try to ask, what would you say you test positive out of 10 tests? We're seeing like 7 to 8 out of 10. Are positive for? for fentanyl. Yeah. So most of, you know, what they see here is already fentanyl. It's already been fucked with. Yeah. Yeah. So we're seeing higher overdose rates. Um, we're seeing, and a big thing with the press pills, especially with a Roxy 30 and a Xanax bar, um, how many kids can get a hold of that shit? Man. And especially Xanax bars, like, oh, here, there was there was a case recently that happened. Two kids, two boys went to a party. One took half, the other took half. One overdosed, one didn't because it was pressed and the fentanyl just happened to be on one side. What kind of fucked up Russian roulette is that? I know. I mean, not that they were intentionally doing, not that right. they probably even knew, knew what they were doing. Right. But how many kids are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, like, try this for the first sure. time. And then you just get a hold of something. Like, we're seeing a lot of teenage overdoses. Man, that breaks my heart. Like, yeah. I, um. Like, really have to, yeah. like, think about educating yeah. a whole different population about drugs. Well, and it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't have a whole lot of teens on my caseload. But I think not talking to them about drugs is not helpful either. And just being yeah. very honest, like, hey, when you get offered drugs, like, you know, and I'm sure you want to seem cool. Like, here's, you know. Here's the dangers. And you yeah. don't want it to be, like, a scare tactic. No. Where it, like, scares them so they're like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. But, like, you want them to be educated. And, yeah. you know, it's crazy. Like, we're seeing, like teenagers, high school students, college students that already know how to use Narcan, mm. then adults that know. Yeah. Whether it be they know how to use it because of their parents or they know how to use it, whatever reason, whether they've grown up with it and been taught, hey, this is what you need to do if you see me looking like this or whatever, which can go into what do we look like or what do we look for? Yeah. When people are overdosing. Yeah. So you want to look for like pinpoint pupils, really, really small pupils in your eyes. Um, a lot of times, um, like being incoherent, you know, you're kind of like nodding out. You are not answering any, like not responsive. Um, a lot of times we will see Tips of your fingers, your nose, your ears start to turn like grayish. Um, slowed breathing, um, very, very slow breathing, slow heart rate. Um, and foaming at the mouth can be a, a sign as well. So, so these are warning bad. signs. Yes. Um, when you would need to use Narcan. Man, uh... I would love for us to maybe pause here and the next episode we definitely go into 
more information about Narcan. And I still want us to talk about needle exchange program. Why do we do it? Um, or why do y'all do it? Why do we need it in the community and all of that? Um, but until then, I, I thank you. Of course. I'm and, honored. Yeah. And I, just real quick. If someone wanted to get a hold of you to be able to know how to access some of these resources we're talking about, and this might be repetitive information in future episodes too, but I don't think we can say it enough times. How can people get a hold of you or the program you work for or any of that? Yeah, so um, my email address is alexis.morgan at uky.edu, A-L-E-X-I-S dot M-O-R-G-A-N at uky.edu. Um, my office phone number is 270-781-8039, extension 138. Um, so if you have questions, if you need help, if you need resources, if you need Narcan, um, any of those things, please reach out. Um, my team and I cover the surrounding counties. So Yeah, and if people happen to be out of state, um, I'm guessing do most health departments offer the services that you've been describing? Yes. So we do have um, active syringe exchanges um, in Warren County, Barron County, Hart County. Um, But you can actually get Narcan for free. Anybody can get it. We don't look at your ID or anything like that. It's all anonymous. Um, You can get it for free. Excuse me. So um, it's just the nasal spray. Two doses come in a box. And um, you can go in any health department um, in the Barron River District and um, any of the, the nearby health departments have Narcan available to the public. Well, thank you so much for your service to our community. And I look forward to having you on for our next episode as well. Thank you, Alexis. Of course. Thanks for having me.